Welcome to another episode of the Clay County Beacon Podcast. My name is Josh Allen, and today I have with me Jim Renninger, and he is running for the Board of County Commissioners. Uh, and uh, first of all, thanks for coming on the show. I uh, appreciate you spending some time with me. Um, and You're welcome. Tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are and, and why you are wanting to be on the Board of County Commissioners. Well, uh, my background, uh, my professional background started out in, uh, during the Vietnam War. I was a proud winner of the Vietnam War draft lottery. Uh, so I knew after college, I went to Penn State University in Pennsylvania. And I, so I knew after college I would be serving my country. So I, I expedited my studies a little bit and tried to get out early so I could figure out this military thing, simply because I had no background in military operations. So. I graduated three three weeks. I'm sorry, three months early, and I figured I had about ten, twelve weeks to figure this out. Well, uh, the army had it figured out a lot better, and within a week of me graduating from college early, I got a draft notice. And the first part of the draft notice is to take a physical, which I of course passed with flying colors, and uh, <clears throat> followed shortly thereafter with a, a draft induction notice, uh, which I didn't want to serve in the Army at the time. The Vietnam War was going hot and heavy. Uh, so, and I always wanted to fly. So I, I tried to get in with the Air Force, and uh, they said, yeah, they'll take me in about six months. And, of course, I didn't have six months to wait. Uh, so the Navy was operate, uh, offering uh, slots down in Pensacola to become pilots. And, and basically in a week or so, I was uh, in Pensacola training to be a pilot. And that began my long, uh, well, first of all, began a career, a uh, stint in the Navy. I thought it was going to be six years. It ended up being 26 years. Uh, in those 26 years, I had three different commands. And I will say, if you're good, you get one command. I command of squadron. And I had command of a training, large training squadron. And then I had command of a wing. So if you're, if you're good, you get one. If you're really good, you get two. And uh, yes, if you're really, really good, you get three different commands. And, mo- and those three commands were out at Cecil Field. Um, after that, I uh, after I retired, well, first of all, I tried to retire with 24, and the Navy wouldn't let me. Uh, I had to go, uh, they wanted me to go work for an animal in, in a battle group, uh, which is a car- aircraft carrier, cruiser, submarines, about 25,000 people. And I was the admiral's chief of staff. So I, basically, I conducted all the administration of uh, a 25,000 person operation. Uh, and the guy's name was Admiral Mullen. And if you, you know your Navy history, he went on to be the CNO, the head of the Navy, and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. So you can imagine what he was like to work for. But I survived. Uh, they did leave me retire after 26 years and uh, went on to serve at, uh, got a job with FSCJ, going right back to Cecil Field, running their Aviation Center of Excellence, which, uh, I worked uh, in the workforce programs in air, of aircraft mechanics, uh, pilot training, and air traffic control training. And uh, later on in that, working for FSCJ, I uh, was selected to be the workforce dean of all workforce programs at downtown campus. And that included everything from uh, automotive maintenance to childcare, IT, advanced manufacturing, it, it was uh, cats and dogs, all the uh, professional workforce training. During that period of time, uh, I was elected to Orange Park Town Council. Uh, you can serve 
you know, term limits, three, you serve three, three-year terms. I was uh, selected to be mayor twice during that nine years, and also Northeast Florida League of Cities president. Uh, today, I'm on the Orange Park Fire Pension Board, which uh, monitors the uh, investments for our firefighters that are retired and, and hope to be retired someday, as well as the Penny Farms Board of Directors. So, so I have uh, a very vast experience serving my country, serving my community, and now, you know, why do I want to be county commissioner? Why well, I, I think I have a lot of skills that would be well suited to serving my county. So these these issues uh, will affect the viability of the county as well as the quality of life of our residents. Interesting. I feel like there's uh, some great stories to be told uh, of your career there. Uh, you know. In the in the military for sure. Like I feel like that that's a couple podcast episodes we could talk about in the future. I think people would be fascinated by that. Working for somebody who went on to be, uh, you know, in uh, the Joint Chiefs staff, and uh, that that's crazy. Like, um, so I didn't realize. I'll be honest, I didn't realize you had that much experience. So let me, from your perspective, somebody who's managed uh, operationally and uh, from an administrative perspective and from a human being perspective, large operations. What do you see going on in in the county right now that you feel like? maybe needs to be done a little bit better? Well, uh, one, I think uh, strategic planning needs to be done a, a little bit better. Uh, we, we need to plan for the future. The future is going to change ex, uh, ex, exponentially with the, the changes that are going around the county right now, and primarily the First Coast Express, Expressway. Uh, I think there's some planning going on in the county, but I don't, I don't feel that there's as much planning as should be. Uh, we've done in, in Orange Park, uh, we've done a, uh, a, strategic, a strategic plan, uh, a visioning session, I guess is better, better described what, what we've done, but what, what the community wants. And, and then, then the town council is going to try to affect those desires within the planning for the future. I, I think Clay County needs, and, and Clay County has a lot more, uh, development that's going on around the county that's going to affect the internal workings of the county and they need to accommodate that and they're doing some of it with the road expansion and road bonding issues they did but i think they need to do more with in that regard interesting what what are your thoughts on you know i I hear a lot from the the folks out in keystone heights that are frustrated with uh not with the fact that the county is growing but they feel you know, like they're a little bit forgotten when it comes to some of this stuff. There's a lot of folks who are saying there, there are drainage issues and, and issues with the dirt roads that are out there in the Keystone area, and they feel like they don't get a whole lot of attention. Do you have any ideas around how do you balance with a county as large as ours and as diverse as, as ours from a development standpoint? We have some very rural areas, and then we have some very, you know, sort of almost urban areas at this point. How do you balance the needs of all of those different areas um, without, you know, stifling growth? Well, you, you have to take into consideration the public, as you alluded to, we are a, a very large county with uh, a, a diverse population of economic development and, and such. And so you have to take the community's input uh, along with the opportunities that present themselves along the way. Uh, for instance, right now, uh, one of the major issues in the Clay, in Clay County is 
is stormwater runoff, drainage, uh, uh, flooding, and such. And, and the opportunities that are available are, are mitigation grants that are available to mitigate uh, stormwater flooding in, in the areas. And this is primarily due to the dramatic impact of Hurricane Irma that took place in 2017. Uh, so the federal government has realized that with sea level rise, with, uh, you know, Florida is an island or, well, is a peninsula and, you know, areas like Fleming Island are islands. Uh, so they're, they're not, they're, their elevation of sea level is not that high. And with uh, former uh, problems with stormwater flooding with uh, compounded with sea level rise, uh, you're going to get that, that problem is going to be accentuated. And so, so the, but the, there are opportunities in the federal, state, and local area, uh, primarily federal and state areas, to mitigate some of those problems if you uh, are aware of them and if you pursue them and if you are willing to. And uh, when, when I talk about grants, I always uh, speak to the issue of the good news is you got a grant, the bad news is you got a grant, because there are tentacles that tie, tied to grants that uh, – requirements that the, the benefactor wants to uh, affect. And so you have to comply with all the rules, regulations, administration that, that goes along with the receipt of a grant. So you, you get the opportunity to use the resources, but you also have the, the requirement to comply with all the, requirement, uh, the, uh, the administrative requirements. So I, I think, uh, if I remember the question correctly, that we have problems that, that can be mitigated with outside sources and we, we should be taking advantage of that. And, and it's a diverse area, but, you know, flooding <clears throat> is universal. Uh, economic is, is universal. We, we need to do more for the whole county in economic development uh, and, and working with outside agencies. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's you know, it's a, man, it's a hard, hard problem to tackle, right? Like, it's not an easy, you know, I think everyone wants an easy answer, an easy solution, you know, but... A lot of it is 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 funding. You know, there there's just not. You know, we don't have an infinite amount of money to go around. If we if we did, we we you know we do all the projects everybody wants to do, right? Like that makes sense for the the public good. But uh, you know, it's a funding issue. Um, so another another concern of mine, like you know, I've lived in Clay County for a long time now, and it doesn't seem. And I don't know that this is anyone's fault or, or, or anything like that, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of high paying jobs still in our county. Right. Um, you know, people that people like me who travel across the Buckman Bridge, you know, very often and, and travel quite a ways to actually find jobs that are that are high paying jobs. Um, you know, I, I wish that I didn't have to. I wish that I could live and work in Clay County. Um, how do you view maybe the the role of the Board of County Commissioners in in making Clay County an attractive place for businesses to bring jobs that are, that are high paying or at least, you know, well, you, better than what you we hit, have. You hit the nail right on the head. And, and with our visioning session here in Orange Park, uh, one of the common concerns of uh, more young, the younger generation is they want to, they want to reside in an area where they can live, work and play. They do not, they would prefer not to have their own cars. They would prefer, certainly not drive. They would prefer to walk, bike, uh, skateboard or whatever to their place of employment. But of course they do want uh, high wage, high skilled jobs. And, and most, uh, you know, most of the youth today are getting some form of higher education, whether it be a community college or onto university. But I 
with <clears throat> my experience at FSCJ, like I said, I was workforce dean, and you, you, you create programs to meet the need of the community. And we were, we and I was uh, an active participant. I was an active participant with uh, the uh, Enterprise Florida, uh, Jack's USA Partnership, and local economic development councils to not only meet the needs of the current employers, but draw industry into Northeast Florida. So, and we got, we uh, were fairly successful and bringing in new industry. And, and Enterprise Florida, they, they provide, you know, there's, it's a competitive market. You have Texas, North Carolina competing for these uh, high, high wage, high skill jobs, uh, industries. Uh, so you, you have to provide, you may have to provide incentives to get them here. But then, then you also, like I said, I was uh, in higher ed. You have to have a workforce, and, and that's one of the primary concerns is, is there a workforce that's able to produce the widgets that this new industry wants to produce? So you have to work with uh, colleges to, to stand up new programs. And I can tell you uh, my experience, uh, direct experience and, and painful experience, was in, in, with air traffic control. Uh, you may remember when Reagan, 1981, I think it was, when 83 or 84, somewhere there, President of PACO, Professional Air Traffic Control Organization, the Union of Air Traffic Control, the FAA Air Traffic Controllers, had a no-strike clause. And, and they're a pretty uh, proud group of people, and they decided they were going to strike anyway. And Reagan warned them, well, if you do, I will fire every last one of you. And they said, well, that can't happen because we're traffic controllers and that would stop air traffic the whole nation. Well, so they did strike and Reagan did fire them all. And I know this explicitly because I was on an aircraft carrier running an air traffic control center. And I had to transfer my air traffic controllers to uh, Philadelphia Traffic Control Center, TRACON they call it. And they were there for like six months until the FAA could recover and hire a new air traffic controllers, get them trained, blah, blah, blah. But what that, uh, the, the, the moral of the story is all the, the air traffic, all the air traffic controls were replaced in about a three year period. And that, and they have a mandatory retirement age. It's mandatory. And I'm either 54 or 56. I can't remember which, but they were all approaching this mandatory retirement air, uh, uh, period of time. And I was running an aviation center at Cecil Field for FSCJ, and my boss, Dr. Wallace, wanted to stand up an air traffic control training program. And local FAA didn't know anything about it here in Hilliard, and so they sent me to Orlando, the state FAA. It's called a FISDO. I went to Orlando, and they said, we don't know much about it, but you're going to have to go to regional, which is in Atlanta, and I went to regional in Atlanta, and they said, no, nah, we don't think you're going to do it. But I said, you know, you know, you don't make the final decision. Uh, they said, you're right, you have to go to D.C. So I went to D.C., talked to number two guy in FAA, and he basically told me there was no way that it was going to happen. They weren't going to allow us to be an air traffic control training school. When Embry-Riddle had one, there were nine in the nation, we wanted to be number 10. And, uh, and they said, uh, well, first of all, there was no, everything in the FAA is done by regulation, and there was no regulation in the books about how to become an air traffic control training school. It's called ATCTI, Air Traffic College Training Initiative School. 
And anyway, make a long story, Washington said no. Well, I learned a long time when I worked for General Powell and I worked for Admiral Mullen uh, that uh, in D.C. Uh, that everybody works for somebody. And the FAA basically works for Department of Transportation. And I figured out a long time ago, who, you know, you got to get to the money. You know, who, who signs their paycheck? Well, Congress appropriates money for the FAA. So I went to uh, Representative John Micah down south here. He was down in Daytona. I forget what district he was in. But I told him my plight and my problem. I promised Dr. Wallace we'd stand up this air traffic control training program, and the FAA is saying no. And that was a real strong no. But anyway, John Micah said, well, that doesn't sound right, you know, because we're going to need him. And I said, I agree with you, and what, what are we going to do? And so about a week later, he asked me, to testify to Congress. Would you testify to Congress? Well, I've never done that. Uh, I'd never done that, but I said, uh, you know, I'm not afraid to do it. And on March 30th, 2007, I testified to Congress about the need for air traffic control, air traffic controllers, and the need, the, the, the plausibility of colleges helping train these future air traffic controllers. And it's just like the CMC's plan. It's kind of non non it's like a non event. You just read it in the record and then I guess staffers work at that. About six weeks later the FAA called me and asked us, FICJ, if we could uh, stand up an air traffic control school. And uh, I said, Well that's a great idea you have there. Uh, <laughs> but there's no procedure for doing so. And they said, Well just send us a letter. Uh, so we developed a letter and we sent it there and today and now this is probably 11, 12, 14 years later, there's still an air traffic control school out at Cecil Field. So uh, developing high-scale, high-wage jobs, I think, is the question. How do you do it? You have to collaborate. You have to have uh, industry buy-in. You have to have uh, school buy-in. You have to, you know, uh, high schools and grade schools are in this STEM arena, uh science, technology, engineering, math, and quite honestly, aviation is nothing more than science, technology, engineering, math. Uh, you have to have buy-in and have uh, career academies. You have to have workforce programs, all culminating in jo- job attainment, uh, performance in a high-skill, high-wage job. And so we need more of that type collaboration in the county. I think the county commissioner is a critical uh, deal maker or, or collaborator, bring, uh, bring the forces together, the school board, the uh, St. John's Community Co- uh, State College, uh, together with industry, with the economic development, the uh, Jacks USA Partnership, Enterprise Florida, the state legislature, the state senators, the federal, it, it's all tied together. I have a very diverse background in those areas, and I intend, I know how to use it, I've d- used it in the past. And I know how to use it, and I will use it in the future for the benefit of the residents of Clay County. That's that's interesting stuff, man. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Your idea came back around, you know, like, hey, we have this idea. You're like, yeah, I know. It's my idea. <laughs> if you listen to it the first time, well, you know, we could have saved ourselves some time. But uh, it's, that's a, you know, I think that's a, that's a great story showing, you know, your ability to collaborate, but also, you know, a little bit of like, you know, some of the nonsense sometimes you have to deal with when, when dealing with the government. Um, so just sort well, of, that, uh, yeah, go ahead. Break in here one second. And that's, that's a critical point. I, you have to get buy-in and, and nothing, there's no greater buy-in than if it's your idea. And if you can convince somebody, 
to accept those ideas and enunciate them and put them on paper, even even if it wasn't their idea, you won the battle. And I got FAA to say, hey, you know, I think we ought to do this. And and next thing you know, it's their idea, and and it's it's happened. Yeah, man, it's a great that's a great story. Uh, I think that's that's very interesting. Uh, I'd never, you know, obviously never heard that story, but uh, that's pretty cool. Um, so I, I want to sort of change course a little bit. What do you feel like uh, right now in the county is actually, uh, you know, uh, what do you feel like? I guess uh, is an ideal future for the county. Like, what if everything goes perfectly in your mind? You know, five, ten, fifteen years down the road, what does Clay County look like? Well. Uh what Clay County looks like is a, uh, to me, looks like a technologically advanced uh, community, uh, it, it, which uh, would uh, consist of a, a technological park uh, where ideas and futuristic ideas are developed, worked on, uh, implemented in the community. Uh, you know, test data tested in the community, and, and I don't know whether it uh, deals with uh, solar implementation. We are struggling with solar implementation. The state, the Sunshine State, is struggling with so- solar implementation, and it's due to technological advances in solar uh, cell development and things like that. And but but we will break through that. I mean, we we know how to do it. It's just we can't do it efficiently. So. Uh, so with uh, with the industrial par- uh, development, uh, hotbed of innovation, uh, with beta testing out in the community, what my idea of an ideal county is where the school board it has the same goals that the sheriff's office has, that the uh, economic community has, which the legislators have. Leg- legislators in the county commission are going to provide the zoning, the, the infrastructure to conduct commerce. And we, we're, we're, we're on the cusp of having a huge renovate, uh, innovation or revolution in Clay County with First Coast Expressway going around the county, well, kind of in the county, but on the outskirts, but kind of corralling uh, industry in, or, or commerce inside the county. And so we need to be prepared for that. We need to, like I said, uh, uh, new ideas are, are nurtured with uh, high school high wage workers, uh, knowledge, uh, with money, with uh, land uh, zoning that promotes economic development, and and with all those working together, uh, you'll have a, a community that uh, promotes and, and welcomes new ideas, welcomes new workers, and welcomes new ideas of the, the way to work. Like you say, I don't like to go through the Buckley Bridge. Well, maybe uh, working from home, working working in a, in a, in a uh, industrial center that's in Clay County would, would meet the, the needs of future generations and they would be willing to move here. Yeah, I want to touch a little bit on, on solar power. I, I think, you know, the state of Florida, I believe, does not allow people to disconnect from the electrical grid if they're able to solar, uh, solar power, and then you know use a battery to store power for their home. Um, would if that was something that you know the voters in Clay County decided they wanted, what, where would you stand on that? I, I think if, if someone's able to power their own house, they should be able to 
you know, disconnect from the electrical grid. But I think one of the reasons that solar is not adopted as much, well, the main reason is the price. It's, it's prohibitively expensive at the moment. Um, but also like there's little, these, there's a lot of regulations involved where me, if I put solar power on my house and I am able to power my own house and I have a battery that can last me three or four days, that's sort of tied into the house. I'd prefer just to disconnect from uh, the electrical grid altogether and say, Hey, I'll be responsible for me. You guys worry about everybody else. Would you be, a would you be in favor of, you know, at least considering, uh, regulations that would, that would allow people to do things like disconnect from the grid, uh, to, to hopefully in, you know, encourage people to adopt things like solar power. Well, you know, any regulation that improves quality of life of, of our residents, uh, I'm in favor of uh, the, the problem today with solar power is, like you alluded to, is the the, cost, the initial cost of insulation and, and uh, uh, well, of insulation. Uh, the, uh, another problem is the cost of operation. Solar uh, produces power whether you use it or not, and so it's, it's a perishable entity. So unless you store it or unless you sell it back, uh, you, uh, it's, it's kind of wasted, uh, it's a wasted operation. Cell, uh, storage is expensive today. Batteries, the, the problem with electric, uh, cars, the problems with it, actually they have electric airplanes. Now the first aircraft has been certified, electric aircraft has been certified by the FAA and it's a training aircraft that flies about an hour, hour and 20 minutes, um, on, so on the, uh, electric power. But the problem is batteries, uh, and uh, batteries, and, and if you don't have batteries, you got to sell it back to utilities. So you still have connectivity to the, you, the power utility company. But the problem there is they want to buy it back at very cut rate prices. Right. And that that uh, does two things. It help, helps them and it hurts you because you, it costs you a lot of money to produce it. And your product is not, you know, the only, the only, the only way to, to get a uh, market for your production is through the utility and their they're, they have the uh, iron hand with the, the wires that go uh, from your house to uh, another user. So they, they take it back. And some utilities pay more than others, but a lot of utilities buy it back on uh, you know, dirt cheap prices because they, they don't. Well, one, it costs them to, to transmit the, the power, and also it cuts into their profit margin. Their, their, their power production facilities are are gargantuan they 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 want to produce large amounts of power and to have many many smaller uh, power uh, uh, producers it it just doesn't become very efficient for them so they they treat it accordingly so but no to answer your question uh i think uh, like i said the sunshine state if we can't figure this out i, I don't know who can but uh we we should be you know it's just like hot water heaters and solar you know thermal water heaters we we don't do a good job of that and they they work for years i know an individual in my community that has a, a solar thermal water heater on his roof and it's been working for 35 40 years without any maintenance so he's basically received free hot water for 35 40 years uh, at courtesy of god and the sun right so i would promote something like that yeah, there's got to be a solution there, right? Like, you know, especially you would think, you know, I get other parts of the country that don't have as much sun and heat, uh, you know, throughout the year as we do. But you would think like the, the, the way people run their air conditioners, I know, you know, mine pretty much runs all day, every day for about five months straight during the summer. Um, you would think like, I don't know, I, I would wonder if we have the same constraints on 
uh, where to store all the power that we create. But, you know, what do I know? I'm a novice when it comes to that. I just know I, I had a guy come around my neighborhood a couple weeks ago and he <laughs> told me the price, you know, and he was talking like $45,000. And I'm like, bro, I could put like four four new roofs on my house and all, all new hardwood floors. And like, like I'm just thinking like, like, I don't know if it's worth the, the crazy cost that I'm hearing there. So, um, but, you know, we got to, like you said, we got to encourage it. We got to encourage the things to happen in the right way. So I think that's what I what I hear you saying. Um, so all right, I mean that's really everything that that I wanted to talk about with you today. So so what I want from you though, I want to give you the same shout that I give everybody, um, <clears throat> everybody else. Uh, tell the voters of Clay County why you would be the best fit. Uh, you know, give us our, your thirty second elevator pitch on on why they should vote for you for the board of county commissioners. Well, I'm running for Clay County Commission District 3. We're divided into five districts. And, oh, by the way, that's another thing I want to change. School districts are different than county districts. And some positions have term limits and some don't. I don't understand that, but I intend to figure it out. And Well, and wait, let's talk that. about that. That's a good, that's a, you know, you, you jogged my memory. Um, so which way do you think it should be? Do you think that the, the elections for, that we should change the school board elections to the way the county commission elections operate or, or the other way around? I, I think... I, I think with the 2020 census, it's going to mandate a redistricting of the federal, state, and local, or we, we can make it local uh, districts. And, and you know, el- voting elections are very confusing to the public. I know I've, I reached out to about 2,000 homes already, and people don't know who the commissioner is. They don't know who the school board is. And there's a good reason, because we make it hard. The school districts aren't aligned with the county districts. The county districts, my district goes down 17 on the east side to the river and not on the west side. So I own half of, I own, I, I represent half of Fleming Island, not the other half. So I think there needs to be, uh, there, we need to look at that in, right. in the uh, charter review and, and redistricting and try, try to line that along with, I, I think there ought to be an initiative. And, and uh, uh, one of the Pet peeves I have, the President of the United States has term limits. He he can serve two terms, eight years, and yet some of our positions are lifelong positions. Uh, It's real. I know from experience, it's hard to unseat. Uh, 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 An incumbent has an extreme advantage over, and and these are community service positions. I've been serving my country, I've been serving my community, and I want to serve my county, but, you know, and county commissioners have an eight-year, two four-year terms, as did Orange Park at three three-year terms, uh, but they do have term limits, and they should have term limits. So everybody, it's a public service job uh, uh, position, and it ought to be open for a lot more people. And with term limits, that gives that opportunity. So uh, there's a lot of things I, I want to do. I, in my 30-second elevator speech, I want to I want to be your county commissioner in District 3 for the next four years. Uh, I serve my country. Uh, I don't have to talk about I know somebody in the military. It's a great military community. I walked in those shoes. I know a lot of the military retirees in this community personally. Uh, I've experienced uh, collaborative uh, efforts to bring growth to a community. I've balanced nine budgets in Orange Park. We balanced them so well, we had a reserve that was over 100% of our annual budget. And we had to develop policy to whittle that down because, you know, a reserve account is, you know, it's a rainy day account, but it's taxpayer money. So we had to, you know, keep our tax increases to a minimum. 
and we had a whittle down a reserve, and we had a policy of no more than 35 to 65% was a target uh, number to have a reserve, money on reserve in, kind of a, in, in case of an emergency. So I've dealt with these problems, albeit on a smaller scale, but, you know, you just, the problems are the same. Sewer, water, electric, uh, you know, drainage, uh, development, it's all the same in Orange Park as it is in Clay County. It's just more of it. So you add another zero to the budget, maybe two zeros to the budget, and, and you got it. So uh, I, I have experience, I have a desire, and I want to be the next county commissioner in District 3. Well, awesome, man. Uh, you know, I think this has been a really good conversation. I would love, you know, to uh, to have you back on and talk about some of your other experiences in the county. Uh, you know, I feel like there's probably some really great stories to tell about that uh, air traffic control air traffic control uh, school and some of your other experience, man. I think you have a fascinating story that people might want to hear. But uh, all that being said, I appreciate the time you spent with me today, and I will tell you what I tell everyone. I wish you best of luck at the polls. Well, thank you very much, and I appreciate the invitation to uh, present at this podcast.